0: You're listening to WNYU 89.1 FM, New York, and online everywhere at WNYU.org. Today is Wednesday, February 17th. I'm your host, Izzy McMahon, and this is The Rundown. The university only seems to pay attention when all eyes are on them. We have been asking university administration for comment.
1: We spoke to two New York City teachers.
2: That would run through
0: some of Brooklyn's lowest income areas. Here at New York
3: University.
1: Students who continue to fight to hold the university accountable.
3: On WNYU. WNYU. W-N-Y-U. W-N-Y-U.
0: This is The Rundown. For tonight's show, we have a heartbreakingly hilarious story about a canceled off-Broadway comedy show, a look back into the history of disco, and a folktale for the Lunar New Year. Before that, Kelly Drake will start us off with a word of the week.
1: I'm Kelly Drake, and I'm kind of a word nerd. Every morning, I wake up to the Merriam-Webster word of the day in my email inbox. Every week on the rundown, I'll be telling you about my favorite word from the previous week. This week's word, grandiloquence, noun a lofty, extravagantly colorful, pompous or bombastic style, manner or quality, especially in language. The origin of this florid, highfalutin word dates back to the 16th century. Grandiloquence is born of the Latin root loqui, meaning to speak. You might consider one who uses this word to be periphrastic, pedantic, or even ostentatious. Personally, I see no problem with an erudite, or courant individual demonstrating their affinity for a nod. However, for the time being, we can concur to oppose each other's view on this matter. With that, we ring down the curtain
0: on the word of the week. The deadline for NYU seniors to apply for graduation just passed this last week. For seniors, this semester looks a lot different now that clubs and extracurriculars are remote or even canceled. For Maxine McCormick, the comedy show she directed, Forbidden NYU or FNYU, didn't get to be put on this year, breaking a 20-year-long streak. Like, the way FNYU works is, like,
4: you take, like, Broadway songs and you rewrite the lyrics to be, like, making fun of, of NYU. There's a song making fun of Gallatin, and like a song making fun of like Stern. And there's like a song called like, One Gay More that's like based off of One Day More from Les Mis. It's about how like every man at NYU is like gay, and all these like straight girls want to like f- someone, but they can't.
1: Okay.
4: These two kids were in like a math class, they started creating this parody song, I guess about the class or something to like the tune of some like old Broadway song. So then they thought like they could like make something more out of it. So the first year I think was just like a few songs. People liked it and they thought it was cute and like there wasn't really anything like it at the time like on campus. And over the years it like grew and like it became kind of like a really big thing I think for a period of time. I directed it last year tried to organize some sort of, like, Zoom performance, because I know how much FNYU meant to the alumni, and I didn't want to be the reason why this, like, 21-year thing ended. But it didn't work out. (laughs) I'm, like, kind of sad, because um, I just feel like I let people down, you know? Before the show was canceled, I had an idea to create, like two new songs that were specifically about Zoom. And mine was going to be about Zoom crushes to the tune of Suddenly (laughs) Seymour. Suddenly someone is standing beside you. Is he your boyfriend? Or maybe your dad? If it doesn't Happen again next year. And last year was indeed the last year. I think it's funny that a show that was so trashy and goofy and, like, often performed, well, not often, sometimes performed drunk, (laughs) never turned 21. So I think it's fitting. (laughs) It died like it lived. I don't know, like, badly and messy (laughs) and young. (laughs) <laughs> doesn't
0: <it> make sense. <laughs> it's been almost a year now with no concerts, clubs, or dance floors. The closest I've gotten to the feeling is watching Saturday Night Fever almost weekly at this point. Sarah Pat takes us back in time to the disco demolition night in Chicago, 1979, reminding us that disco never really dies.
2: Hey, Coach, the Sox start a five-game series with Detroit tomorrow night. It's a twin night doubleheader, and WLUP will host the teen night activities between games, featuring a disco demolition with Steve Dahl.
3: Disco music was kind of like old people music.
2: When I thought about it, it was the sort of Saturday Night Fever, you know, Bee Gees type. That was personified by a lot of white artists, which seemed very manufactured. I liked uh, a lot of different types of music, but mostly, you know, I guess what you would call classic rock. A lot of the people that listened to the music I liked listened to a couple of radio stations in the Chicago area. So one is WXRT, and the other was, at the time, something called The Loop. The Loop is W-L-U-P-F-N. And so there was a DJ on The Loop named Steve Dahl.
3: For kids that liked rock and roll music and didn't have a lot of money that they could spend going to see concerts and stuff, like, they were kind of our heroes. The
2: radio station was 97.9 FM. So the idea would be that uh, if you went and bought our disco record and you contributed that, you would get in for 98 cents. I went with a couple of my friends, Jeff and David. We drove down to Comiskey. It got really crowded really quickly. And the aisles on either side of the seats were completely packed.
3: There were banners of disco socks, there were people with t shirts of disco socks, chanting disco socks. Disco socks
2: disco sucks. Steve Dahl drove out battle gear on and then they brought out this big garbage bin filled with all the disco records that had been donated. Here
3: they go. Something went wrong when they blew them up and there were tons and tons of teenagers like jumping over the wall and going out on the field. The fans are now screaming off the field.
2: We made the mistake of getting up and where we were gonna go quickly became out of our control. We all just kinda looked at each other and said, I guess we gotta jump on the field. So we ran through the outfield, along the wall, covering our heads, records flying everywhere, smoke everywhere, there were fires burning in the outfield, lots of people just running around. and crazed, and climbed over the wall on the other side of the field in the right field corner, scurried out of there and ran to the car and thought that was about the craziest thing we had ever seen. left the field scarred with burned and torn up turf, at which point the umpires called the second game, saying the field was unplayable.
3: We didn't go out in the field because we were terrified that we'd be on TV and our parents would see and we would be grounded for life. Not because we didn't want to. There were people we knew who were yelling at us to come out of the field. My two friends and I were kind of like, all right, this just seems like a bad situation. We're leaving.
2: I think claims about the reactionary view of disco music and dance music being rooted in some degree of racism or a dislike of other groups, I mean, it has to be real because people feel it. That wasn't anything that my friends or I certainly felt and, and even were cognizant of. I mean, we were a bunch of, you know, misfits and outsiders ourselves. And if anything, we were reacting to the mainstream.
3: Among a lot of our parents, there was still sort of this, like, anti-rock and roll feeling. So, you know, for a lot of us, it was just going out and publicly asserting something we loved. You know, it was just a music war. It was disco versus rock and roll. Chinese
0: New Year, a.k.a. the Lunar New Year was this past Friday, February 12th. The 15-day festival looked a little different this year with social distancing and COVID precautions. For those who missed out, Misty Avenger has a folktale to keep the spirit of the holiday with us.
5: This year, the Lunar New Year was celebrated virtually for New York City. Although the city lacked the sound of the holiday bustling through its streets, the New Year still had its moment. Even though I'm miles away from the city, I still found comfort in the virtual ways I could appreciate the New Year. I went to Chinatown here in Boston. It's nothing like New York, but it was the perfect pocket of culture. I went to a nearby grocery store and walked around. Although I can't speak Mandarin, I found enjoyment wandering through the aisles and finding things that looked new or familiar to me. Finally, I bought Hongren Bing, or almond cakes. They are these crumbly discs made of (laughs) really few ingredients. I learned that almonds are meant to represent a bright future, good fortune, and prosperity. Almond cookies aren't the only thing to eat during the New Year. There's niangao, a sticky, gluttonous rice flour cake that can be sweet or savory depending on the region. Tang yuan, commonly served on the 15th or the final day of the New Year, filled with red bean paste, peanuts, or sesame, just to name a few. However, one of the most important dishes during the New Year is fish. Part of its symbolism comes from the language. In Mandarin, fish is known as yi. And yet, with the same pronunciation, but different characters, it can also mean leftovers. The idea is that every year, you want to have an abundance of food or wealth. Enough for leftovers. Actually, while I was on my way to Chinatown, there was something on my mind. It was a Chinese New Year folktale my middle school Mandarin teacher, Liu Laosha told me. A long time ago, there was a monster called Nian. The monster was big and violent. He looked like a lion, but had a single horn on his head. Once a year, the monster would run into a village, destroy the crops, and eat the livestock. Everyone was afraid of the monster so they would escape to a mountain to be safe. One year, as the villagers were packing up, an old man, holding a broken bow, was walking slowly down the street and asking for food. A nice granny saw the old man and offered him some steamed bread and asked him to follow the crowd into the mountain. The old man said, If you let me stay at your home for one night, I can assure you, that Nien will never come back again. The granny hesitated. The old man said, don't worry. I have three secret weapons to handle the monster. The granny agreed to let him stay, and then she left. After midnight, Nien came. When he was about to enter the granny's home, he saw a red banner. The monster began to feel afraid but he still insisted on approaching. Then he saw fire and heard a scary noise caused by firecrackers. The monster was scared and ran away. He never returned on that night or ever again. The next day, when all the villagers came back from the mountain, the old man said to everyone, the monster is scared of three things, the color red, light, and firecrackers. When he finished talking, he rode on a cloud and flew back into the sky. And ever after, Chinese people began to paste red spring couplets and light up firecrackers to celebrate the new year. To all who celebrated the new year with friends, a phone call home, made dinner with their family, and to any who felt the distance this year was larger than normal, Happy New Year. I'm Misty Avenger, and you're listening to The Rundown on WNYU 89.1
0: FM. That's all for tonight. You can find more campus news at nyulocal.com. Next up are WNYU podcasts. Thank you for tuning into The Rundown 89.1 FM. I'm your host, Izzy McMahon. Have a great night.